and welcome to the first episode of All the Saints. I'm Robin Rector here at All Saints in Albion Park and today we're going to be looking at the first part of our new vision statement here at All Saints. Um, I'm really excited to do this with you guys. Thanks for being here today. This uh, vision statement has been worked on by a bunch of people here from church and I'm yeah, really glad for this chance to dive into it with you today. The vision statement goes like this. It's a three-part statement and I'll read it out for us. Our desire is to be an authentic and loving church community that passionately shares the gospel and nourishes Christian faith in accordance with God's word. And today we're going to be looking at just the first part of this. Our desire is to be an authentic and loving church community. There's so much to unpack there. And to discuss this with me today, we've got Mitch. He's one of our own. He's from our church uh, he's doing Year 13, which is a gap year program, and we're delighted to have him with us tonight. And Megan here is with us too. She's part of our staff team. She works with the children as a ministry worker. Guys, hello. Thank you for being here today. We might as well start off by just asking, how are you going? How's your week? Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Robin. It's good to be here, part of the crew. Uh, I'm doing quite well. I've uh, had a pretty hectic week, though, in a good way. So on Tuesday night... I was uh, at a premiere for a TV show, right? There's a podcast I listen to mm. called The Inspired Unemployed. Mm-hmm. And they were premiering a TV show near where my parents live. So I was like, oh, I'll go down. I was first in line. Kiama. They're from Kiama, that's right. And I was first in line for the show. And I was like, I didn't expect that. And then with about, I don't know, 20 minutes passed when the show was about to start, we got let in. And I walked in and there's all these celebrities there. Oh, that's amazing. And it was crazy. So that is like amazing. Dylan Olcott. Yep. The, wheelchair. Wheelchair. Yeah. Yep. The GQ yep. Man of the yep. Year. Legend. Yep. Got to chat with him. Is he Australian of the Year? Yeah. Australian of the Year. Yeah. There was Ned Brockman, the guy that ran from Perth to Sydney. Yeah. And wow. I got to chat with was him Was he in too. running gear? I have to ask. Uh, nobody did have his famous uh, mullet, uh. which caught my eye. And then there was a couple of Roosters players. And I was like, what? Like, why am I here? I well, we know why so you're there. You're, you're going to be a celebrity after this. Look, I mean, it was a bit of a warm up for the yeah. big show. Yeah. But I felt so out of place. And I was walking down and I needed to find a seat. And the spare seat I found was next to James Tedesco. That's amazing. New South Wales captain of rugby league. Did, did you, what did you say? Did you say, can I, well, can I sit here? Or? I felt so awkward. I was so nervous. So I sat down next to him. And I was like, oh, g'day, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why did I do that? And I like asked him what he does for work. And I was like, oh, no, I couldn't believe I blew my shot. So I watched the premiere and then I walked home and I just had so many regrets just thinking of things that I could have done differently. Uh, so that that was my way. Did he tell you what he did for work? Yeah, he said he played footy and I was like, <laughs> oh, like, I don't know. I just acted like I didn't know him, but I've seen him on my TV that many times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it was a chance blown, but it was a good week. My, I'm One convinced in a little while they're going to be saying, do you remember that time that Mitch Cornford sat next to us at the premiere? Wow, look at him go now. I mean, we'll see how this podcast goes. <laughs> we'll see. That's pretty cool, Mitch. Uh, Megan, what have you been up to this week? I feel like I can't really match that. Nothing nearly as exciting as being in a room full of celebrities. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned past the names what some of those people actually did because sports isn't my strong suit, I will admit. Um, I don't know. This week's been pretty regular for me. 
getting ready for different ministries that we have around church. So getting ready for our kids clubs, our Sunday morning programs as well. Um, and then I've been working on a TAFE assignment. So my week has not been as exciting, but very busy nonetheless. So we've just finished church for the, the weekend mm. as well. And uh, I, I was really um, stoked with the, the family spot this morning. Oh, thank you. With the, uh, with the soccer team that you had, you put yourself in. Yes. Yes. I formed my own soccer team. Um, I, I kind of set the kids up for failure. Um, so I invited one of our children to choose any five members of our congregation to be on their soccer team and they were going to be versing me. Um, and I, I said outright, I'm, I'm not a soccer player. You've, you're in, you're in, you know, good hands here. You're going to do well. Um, but then beforehand I had prepared some slides and I, I made out that my team had, um, the, the, the soccer players and the likes of Lionel Messi, Messi and, um, Sam Kerr and, and people like that. And just kind of made out that obviously you're not going to be getting past this team. The victory is going to be coming to, to my team because of, uh, who's on my side. And we kind of linked that in with, um, Joshua and the idea that, um, when we are on, God's side, when we choose to be a part of God's team, um, there is nothing that can stand between um, him and the victory. It was which a great is family spot and a great <laughs> illustration. I, I have to say, though, as as um, as the kids are running around picking people for their team, picking their best team to play against your team, I was quite disappointed <laughs> I wasn't chosen, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, they, look, they were mostly preschoolers, so I, I, I was, was in with a chance. I thought I was a shoo-in. Yeah. I thought this is my moment. I thought was, everyone knows that, you know, soccer's my thing, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was my thing. It was your thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great illustration, though. Uh, well, we, we should probably move on to the vision statement. We've got our, our, we've probably still got a couple of listeners left by now, so just for their benefit. <laughs> Hang we'll in there, guys. <laughs> um, so our vision statement, I don't... Vision statements are kind of thing like they're, they're everywhere, right? Vision statements you kind of get, you know, businesses and schools and I don't know every every person and their dog seems to have a vision statement for their life these days. And mm. I just think that um, sometimes we can get a little bit tired of even the idea of having a vision statement. Um, I was trying to think of an illustration to say how I feel sometimes about vision statements, and I couldn't help but think of all the potholes on Tongara Road. You know, <laughs> the, you know, the potholes on Tongara. Road? Yes, it, yes, we do. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And I thought, I thought vision statements are a little bit like potholes on Tongara Road because mm. they're they're everywhere and they pop up all over the place, and you always seem to run into them. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. If you hit them, at least you know you're on the right road. Is that fair? You know yeah. what I mean? So vision statements, right? They pop that. up everywhere, but once you know, once you hit them, at least you know that you're heading in the right direction. Mm. And that's kind of how it is. Like vision statements are kind of those necessary and important things for any kind of group or organization so that they know where they want to go, where they want to be. Um, anyway, that's a bit of my reaction to vision statements. What about yours? Yeah, I mean, I love your analogies, Robin. I never know where you're going when you start talking about it. I didn't like, know where that one was going. Potholes on Tongara Road, I didn't know how that linked to our vision mm. statements, but you've done well, mm. as always. But I would say, so I went to Fiji back in June, and we had a vision statement. And it said, our purpose is to partner physically and spiritually with Fiji as humble learners to mutually support growth in our relationship with Jesus. And I think that this Fiji mission statement uh, explained how we uh, used to like this summed it up what we're gonna gonna go over to do uh, and so when people asked oh you know what do you want to get out of Fiji you know we could explain that uh, we aimed to partner with Fiji as humble learners and not only to teach them but for us also 
uh, to learn about God's great love. And so I think, yeah, it's something that sums up uh, what the achievement is uh, and that people can get an idea uh, of what you're trying to, uh, yeah, get out of uh, the the task. And I think for this church, this vision statement sort of shows our direction that we want to go mm-hmm. in being an authentic and loving church community mm. uh, with passion and that nourishes the Christian faith. Uh, so I think it's really encouraging to have this vision statement for our church and to show people that this is the direction we want to go. And one thing it says, that's, that's a good word, direction, isn't it? Because it says, hey, this is, this is the, the direction that we would like to take as a group mm. of people. We could take that direction or we could take that direction. I'm, I'm using my arms, but now I just realize that no one can see what I'm doing. Um, but, you, but it says that, no, this is how we, this is the kind of church that we want to be. This is a vision for who yeah. we want to be together. Mm. Um, and that, that enables a little bit of a focus, doesn't it, to, mm. to what we choose to do. We are doing this and we're not trying to be the world's best soccer team and, well, obviously that's the Matildas these days, isn't it? Yeah. Go the Matildas. Matildas. Um, Megan, what do you reckon? Have you come across vision statements much and what are your thoughts about them? Yeah, I think I'm coming across them more and more um, as I get a bit older and as I kind of continue in ministry. Um, I guess I stepped into, um, I mean, this is my, my first formal paid role. I've been, um, I was a a trainee for three years beforehand. And then before that was, um, doing volunteer ministry, but wasn't, um, yeah, thinking that that's where I was going to be heading. Um, and so I think when I first came across vision statements, they kind of overwhelmed me Mm, because I didn't think that I had the capacity to have direction like that and to know where a ministry needed to go or, um, to know what that kind of final outcome should be. And so I think um, generally with, with big planning, I've always thought that that's not a strength of, of mine and something that maybe I don't do very well. But I think I've been challenged to um, to rethink that and to have a, a deeper appreciation for vision statements. And um, I guess vision casting is is kind of what we'll often call it in, in children's ministry. Um, and when we talk about a vision, it's not just for the people who are kind of, um, I guess, more in charge of where things are going. But I think the importance of a, a vision statement is so that the whole community, all of the people who are involved in the ministry, the church, um, are, are able to see the way that we want to go and are able to contribute to, to work towards achieving that goal. It's mm. not just, you know, the, the ministry team kind of pulling everyone along and, well, this is the direction that we want to go in. You don't get a say in it, but it's actually a way to um, encourage each other to where we're, we're going to do this together. That's we're going yeah. to yeah, work together to achieve this. Um, and like you said, there's so many ways that you could go about ministry and, and um, things that we want to achieve. But by having one clear vision, it actually means that we are working together and we're going to be, um, yeah, just encouraging one another um, and spurring each other on. Yeah, toward those particular mm. things. Because like, I, I like, um, I mean, I like my veggie garden, right? And mm. veggies are good because they make food for our family and well, 
well, not much food, to be honest. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of us and not many veggies. But that's not the vision of our church is to be the world's best veggie farmers. Mm. Um, we're actually thinking even broader. And one of the good things about this, the kind of statement that we've got is it gives other, I think is what you said, right? To, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. it gives people a chance to say, hey, this is how I can get involved. Yeah, that's right. This is right. where I can find my place in this. They can see themselves getting on board. It's mm. not just that they're um, passengers, you know, kind of, jumping on board and then getting off wherever they want to, but they're, they're really actively involved in in the churning of this mm, machine yeah, and, yeah. and reaching that destination and, and leading that way too. Yeah, that's mm. good. That's good. Thank you. Um, well, what we might do now is we might uh, – well, actually, before we hear from the from people around our church, we might just uh, – I might hand it over to you, Mitch. And Mitch, why don't you tell us about what you did in the last couple of weeks in terms of talking to people from church about our vision statement? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to go around uh, and ask people about our vision statement and ask them about particularly key words uh, of our vision statement and to get their initial reactions. Uh, And I found this to be really interesting just to see uh, what people thought of each word and its meaning and how it can uh, relate to our church and the community that it's trying to build. So I found it really fascinating uh, chatting with the all the saints, the people of our church, uh, and really thought it was interesting. All right, so why don't we flick to their answers and then we'll um, and then we'll chat about their their responses in a bit. I desire to, is to be in an authentic and loving church community that passionately shares the gospel and nourishes Christian faith in accordance with God's word. Now, there's a few key words in it that I want to point out. The first word being authentic. Yep. And I want to ask, how could our church community seek to be an authentic one? Authentic and loving church community. So I think uh, by listening to God's word and trying to put it in practice in our life. <laughs> I think that to be authentic means that we're not trying to hide behind anything. Just seeking the guidance of God, really. Um, and so I think if we're an authentic church, it's one that um, encourages people to use the gifts that they do have to, to come as you are um, as broken, sinful people, but also people who have been given um, this saving message from Christ as well. Yeah, look, I think authenticity is really important. You know, uh, you know, us, us Aussies, we are, we can smell fakeness a mile away, right? Yeah. What would it look to be authentic? Be your true self. Uh, not try to pretend to be uh, something that you're not, or put on some airs or fakeness. I guess in in saying authentic, you're saying not fake, because. Um, if, if you're speaking to somebody, you just want them to speak genuinely to you, not not to just sort of say what they have to say and just um, walk away, but to actually feel like that they're listening to you and that they're um, they're interested in what you have to say. Yeah, I think authentic is something that you kind of you do what you say you're going to do. Being real, mm. um, not shying away from the part of the Bible which talks about sin and yeah. how. We all have sin in us and, and not just looking at the glossy good parts. I think it's, it's really hard in a way because actually to be authentic is to kind of drop our guard and just to reveal who we are. But often we don't want to show who we are, you know, because mm. that's well, I'm revealing. It's painful sometimes. I, I don't even know if we want to be authentic with ourselves, let alone being authentic with other people. And then what about that other word, loving? How could we be loving? Uh, I think by listening to God's word and putting it into practice. A loving community, yeah. Yeah, I see people welcoming everyone here, so, yeah. 
Some people have got the gifts for that too and they're doing it. It's about encouraging each other, so, so speaking. I'm hearing words about people encouraging them in their faith. How are you going this week? I want to follow you up from the conversation we had the other week. Mm. So it's about not just a nice social club. It's about actually helping each other to grow along the way. Uh, show their love to each other by uh, being tolerant, being understanding and caring for each other. And, um, and also supporting each other through issues and trials of everyday life. A loving church and uh, community. Well, I guess, yeah, just um, loving each other as Jesus loved everyone and, yeah. Uh, looking after each other and making sure that um, those that um, feel a little bit on the outside are welcomed committed to people who might not always be the easiest to love as well, like just um, getting outside of your comfort zone and showing love um, intergenerationally, people that you ordinarily might not mix with, um, and yeah, just loving everyone that you encounter. Talking to each other uh, over morning tea, checking up with people uh, during the week, and yeah, being servant-hearted. Just not being afraid to go up to people and say, hey, how's it going? And just, yeah, really getting to know them. All right, that was really interesting. Um, thanks, Mitch, for doing all that interviewing, and it was, it was really great to see so many really interesting and thoughtful mm. responses from people around our church. Um, well, any why don't we go to your reactions, uh, Megan? Anything stand out from you and hearing people's responses there? Yeah, it was really encouraging. There were a lot of similarities in um, the responses that mm. were given. I think um, what I love about what people think about love, <laughs> how they think love should look, is it's often really practical. Um, and I think that that's just a great way of um, showing care for others. You know, hospitality is a great way to do it. Um, uh, other people were talking about um, doing life. I think that's kind of like a, a word that's often thrown around in, in Christian language of doing life together. Well, that's I think, interesting, isn't it? Mm. Because the loving wasn't a loving on its own. It's a loving in the context of a community. That's so it. There's a togetherness that's yeah. kind of required. Yeah, it's it's all about bringing people together and kind of going through things that are hard, um, being honest about that, celebrating the things that are good. Um, I think that's a really beautiful way of showing love and care to other people. So that um, stood out to me. Um, someone talked about... Um, kind of having arms wrapped around other people when there are struggles. And that made me think of um, kind of the descriptions in the Bible that there are of, of God kind of as this mother hen. Mm. Um, so in Psalm 91, it speaks about that a little bit as well. In that um, Thessalonians as well? Like Matthew 23. Oh, it anyone? might be. I'm not sure. Someone will, someone will let be. us know. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just think that it's so great that often our images of love obviously are being reflected yeah. because God is the perfect image of love too. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's certainly coming through. Mitch, what did you notice? Yeah, I think with the word authentic, just seeing how as Christians we have to be genuine because a lot of people touched on the point that uh, it's so easy to come to church and act like you're that perfect Christian. But really, you know, we all fall short and it can be hard to be vulnerable and be truthful with each other. But I think that really helps the church community get around each other when you just be honest mm. and admit uh, to the struggles and what you're going through. 
because uh, that way the church can really get around you and you can really see the support from the mm. church and the love that it has. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, we're going to get a chance to talk about this some more, but, yeah, it's fun to see the different answers that people have around our church and to share in that. And that's one of the things that this vision is. It's about trying to help um, everyone get involved and get a bit of a taste for what we're doing and to kind of help see what resonates and, and if it's resonating mm. with the people that we're, that we're, I guess, we're driving down the road with, down Guy Road, but all the puddles mm. around. That's the people we're driving with and we want to make sure that um, we are all on board, have a similar kind of mm. approach to what we're doing. Um, all right, so why don't we push on? So one of the key words actually in this first first line is this idea of church community. And yeah. it made me think of how um, community is something, it's a word we use a lot in our <laughs> community, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry for that. But it's a word that we use all the time and, and we know that it's good. But, but what is it about us as humans that have this kind of desire for community? What do you guys think? Mm. I mean, I just think that God has designed us to be in in union with mm. each other. We can see that in the way that, um, you know, God is three in one. We can see that in the garden that um, man was not made to, to be alone, that we are meant to be in some sort of relationship with other people. And I think we also see that so clearly in the way that um, God forms his people and forms his church as well. Um, there, there's this real people... Um, there's this real people. That sounds weird. There's this um, real, what am I trying to say? Like it's it's not just one person and you're the, the sole person that everything this is going to rest on, but actually um, God's love is shared with so many and it doesn't just stay in that one group as well. The idea of it is that it continues to extend um, forever and ever too. It's a very interesting idea, this idea of um, that love that God gives to us is extended in relationships mm. and in a sense that we're, we're come to, going to come to loving later, but it's almost like love is essential for community perhaps. Mm. That, like if you think about God, you're right, the triune God, mm. God is love and God exists in some sense. The theologians will probably get a bit cranky to me, but <laughs> it, as a community, a communion mm. of one, um, I'm sure there's a way of phrasing that better. But isn't it interesting, you're, you're right, you went, was it Genesis Genesis, uh, first couple of chapters of the Bible, the, the first thing that we see that doesn't seem to be right is the fact that Adam is alone, lonely. Yeah. Loneliness is like this thing like that mm. on our own, on our, it's not right. There's something not right. We're built for the other. That's right. And yeah. the other is expressed in some way, in mm. shape or form. And you see it at the very start of the Bible. And I guess that like you look at the world around you and you think it's still the same, still true, mm. still true, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you reckon, Mitch? Yeah, I reckon uh, for the church community, I think uh, focusing on the gifts and the diversity that we have, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 14 says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Mm. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So straight away, we're a many, not a one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's really interesting and in just how, you know, God's given us all different gifts and placed us all in this church for a purpose, you know. You've got the people who have the gift of doing sound and laptop at the back, those who are good at the front, those who are good at serving in the kitchen, those who are good at welcoming and it's just amazing seeing all the church community come together and use the gifts God's given them. You know what I'm thankful love. for? 
I'm thankful for the ones that put the bins out. Love them. <laughs> Amen. Oh, they're the best. Amen. Yeah. And they're the ones no one sees, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but it's but it's real. Like you, you're right. There's a thing in which God actually actively equips people with different sorts of gifts mm. that assumes a community, a togetherness of God, of His people. For sure. And it's not just the diverse gifts that He gives us, but also the diverse minds and understanding of His Word. Something I really find uh, amazing about Year Thirteen is when we dig into passages of the Bible, because uh, everyone there is so diverse. It's like a Bible study and all these different ideas are coming out and you're just learning all these different things of the Bible that you wouldn't really understand if God gave us all the same mind. Mm. But because we're all different and think differently, you can see all these different perspectives of passages that uh, we're reading. And so, yeah, I think that's also a big part of church community that we can understand the Bible with each other. That's fascinating. So the idea that I might actually it might bring Megan that you, you, you're, you're saying something there. Uh, it just makes me think again of, of Hebrews um, chapter 10 and how as well as um, using our gifts to serve one another, we're also called to encourage each other, to not give up meeting together, but to encourage one another even more so as we see that final day approaching, that there's mm. this real call that obviously community must be so core and central to, um, yeah, us as, as a people and, and as a part of this this faith group. Mm. That's such an interesting idea. Like the idea is that one of the, the, the functions or the, the tell us the purpose of of God calling us together is that we might encourage each other, which is a strange thing because uh, I don't know if you ever heard people talk. Sometimes people talk that they're, so, they're kind of like solo Christians. They're just so, they're yeah. solo Christians. They're off doing their own thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and, and But actually God has actually got a bigger plan in store for them and they've begun to realize for themselves mm. that God is actually bringing us together to be the church, which the word church just means gathering, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird because we're called in our vision statement, we've got church community. It's like like gathering community. It's like <laughs> two words sort of trying to say the same thing. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about in, in the, 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 the group that was kind of working this vision statement, we knew what we were doing when we put two words that kind of meant the same thing together. Mm. Um, but the reason why we did it was because uh, when people read it, they, they may, when they think of the word church, they might not ordinarily think of a group of people. They might actually just think of... It's the building. Uh, it's the building down it's the, the road. Right? It's the place you go. It's yeah. the one, the sandstone with the lights. Mm. So we're going to be a church and the church is good because it's there. But we really wanted to make sure that we got the sense of relational connectedness mm. which the word church has but to make sure it was part of like made it more obvious is that the word yeah make it more obvious by throwing the word community in there so church community um there's a i'm sure there's a word for saying the same thing the same word twice is it tautology or something i'm like we're looking I around the room anyone know, know? Nope. someone google it <laughs> it's like it's like a redundancy or it's a redundant word but <laughs> someone's googling right now <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, who's doing the technical stuff for us, is, is going to check it out for us. You can let us know. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'm just going to come back to this idea of community and this, uh, the way mm. in which God uh, like draws us together. Like it's a human yearning, isn't it, for us to, to kind of be together as people. Um, I just want to read to you something I, I came across. It was actually in the newspaper, uh, was it yesterday? Yesterday, a little article called all the lonely people, where do we all belong? And it's written by uh, Gemma Tonini. Sorry, Gemma, if I got your name wrong. Um, but it's a, the summary of the article is it's a study done on Australians at the moment right now and how mm. 
there's a real sense of a loss of connectedness to other people. Yeah. Maybe COVID. But see, I was just, that's what I was just saying, spurred on by COVID and the time that we spent where we couldn't be connected. Yeah. Mm. But aren't we always on our phones? Um, in, a, in a hope that we would be more connected, right? You think, you think but so. in ways we're probably more disconnected than we've ever been. Wasn't this the promise of technology, mm-hmm. bringing us closer and closer together? Mm. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and yet the, the, the reality is that maybe it's not working. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting because our world's so focused on becoming, you know, you can be your true self, but mm. through that we're actually becoming more anxious and more anxious about mm. what people think of us. And that can also be related to, you know, making us feel lonely, like no one really is loving us. They don't mm. understand me. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the idea that people don't even understand us. Mm, yeah, yeah, that even though you're, you're putting all of this information out there, there's such disconnect that people really don't know the true self and maybe the information that you are putting out there isn't an authentic version of who you really are. So technology is a funny thing, right? Mm. It's, it promises this kind of open, honest communication but actually end up kind of hiding behind the faces that we project to the world around us That's and right. it leaves us kind of lonely and anxious and mm. you throw COVID in there and we're told to stay in our homes and isolate and the yeah. only thing that we've got to connect with each other was was tech and it, what, mm. we, what do we see it didn't really work. We, we kind of felt a little bit further away than ever. Having said that, I kind of still find it useful, don't you? Oh, for sure. Like I say all these things, but I will still stay got, on my I'm phone. I'm still looking at my phone <laughs> That's now. That's right. Like, is anyone texting me? No, no. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Like the, the, there's an illusion of connectedness mm. that technology can bring that can give us this kind of small hit. But mm. it, the, it seems like the research is telling us that it doesn't actually work to really build a sense of community. You actually need something more substantial than that. Yeah, and I think social media definitely has a big, uh, you know, part in that because, uh, you know, you see Instagram, you see Facebook and you see people just posting the best of their lives mm. and then you yourself are also doing the same thing because you want people to think great of you and then when you go out in the real world and people see, you know, you're actually not this person, this ideal person. then It's a filter, right? Yeah, yeah. it can make you feel a bit more anxious yeah. and a bit more like, oh, you know, a bit more bad about yourself because you want people to think that you're such this amazing person like this celebrity but then when people see you in real life like you can almost be a different person yeah yeah it's um i mean it's kind of like what you you, what you had early this week right when you meet all those celebrities (laughs) in real life you're like whoa (laughs) they're they're really celebrity but they're just ordinary people too yeah exactly and it's like do footy for a living you know i might go on facebook and see that robin's kids are running you know, 10 times faster than I ever will. No, that's true. That's legit. That. There's, no, <laughs> there's no fake about that. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, I'll just read a little bit from this study. Um, so uh, I wonder if it resonates with you guys. I'll just read a little bit. So it was, um, she writes, uh, this week, the, the findings of the inaugural State of the Nation report into social connections, that's kind of community, isn't it, told a grim story about the hearts and minds of everyday Australians It makes for gloomy but perhaps unsurprising reading. We're lonely, terribly, frightfully lonely. A third of us confessed to feeling like this. Mm. One in six says this isolation, this sense of disconnect is severe and debilitating. That's amazing, right? Just think, imagine one in six people in our community have a crippling form of kind of loneliness. Mm. Um, Goes on to say that, Perhaps saddest among the findings, young Australians on the cusp of adulthood, 
their whole lives ahead of them are the loneliest. Nearly a quarter of young people between the age of 18 and 24 admit to feeling alone constantly. And those in middle age followed close behind. I've just got to ask you guys, is this something that surprises you? Because you guys are a bit younger than me and yeah. with your friends. like, would that, Is that fair to say a quarter of young people would feel lonely constantly? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm in that bracket and I see those around me, particularly at school, and you just see that they're chasing after the wind. Mm. As Ecclesiastes say, like it's literally nothing that they're running after. All these things that, these world, that this world is advertising to them, and then they go for it and they realize there's actually nothing to grab. It's all empty. And so I think, you know, trying to find a purpose can make you feel so lonely and like there's nothing to aim for in this world. That's mm-hmm. it's, it's a really good observation. What do you think, Megan? Yeah, I'm starting to move out of that age group. Uh-huh. Um, but I think you can definitely still see the effects of it. And I think building on what you're saying, Mitch, like this idea of what is it that you're chasing or filling that void with, you don't want to appear lonely. That doesn't look great. Mm. So what things will I do that are going to either make me feel like I'm not lonely because I filled it with something or at least will convince other people around me that I'm doing a bit more okay um, than perhaps I really am. But certainly when I look at um, younger friends and family members of mine, I I have a lot of concern for them because I think even, even though I'm not that much older than them, um, I feel like there is a real divide and that things have have become a lot more severe in the past couple of years and I I don't know entirely what that's driven by um but yeah I do I do hold a lot of concern for them and um yeah just hope that there are ways that we're able to um move out of this um state of loneliness and and really get back into um that sense of community again Mm, mm, yeah it's um it is really concerning I like I'm just speculating now but I wonder if part of it is like the idea that um you know we're delaying familyhood as well so mm. this kind of like delayed nature of having a family and so on like because it like natural human biological mm. connectedness is something that um maybe in the past has filled something of that void for people but as we've you know we you know we have a um like we, as we delay that maybe we're starting to feel the effect that maybe those friendships just don't fill that void to the to the degree that that we would hope mm. um the interesting thing about this study was it it, it goes on this this, this um, woman writes that uh, the she she talks a bit about how technology seems to be contributing to the problem of a feeling of isolatedness and disconnectness and then she says this and I just as I read this I just wonder I wonder if you can just just think about how how the church how a, a good well functioning church actually does this it really does this. Um, mm-hmm. She writes, we're wired for connection, the human kind, not the kind that needs to be plugged in and charged overnight, <laughs> right to the heart, yeah. feel that. Um, and then she goes like, conversation, we're wired for conversation, touch, empathy, tenderness, the sound of someone's voice, the knowledge that you're valued, missed, worthy, this is the currency of human interaction. These are the salves of a lonely soul. You won't find them spending 24-7 on Facebook and this is the currency that was so catastrophically devalued during the COVID years. So she goes and talk about how COVID has affected that. But but wouldn't, isn't that great? Like church in its mm. in it when it's really functioning well, the idea of conversation, touch, yeah. empathy, tenderness, the knowledge that you're valued, missed, and worthy. These are really great things for us mm. to aspire to, right? 
Oh, absolutely. And I think it's things that we, I hope that we are naturally doing as church, but they are things that we need to to work hard on as well, because mm. I think we um, are starting to lose some of that probably in our society. So we have to actually work hard to continue to keep those um those ways of caring for each other in, in place. And I think... Um, so how do we do that? It's a really good point. How do we do that? Yeah, I think that we just have to be really intentional, you know. I think that um, we need to sell that vision of for other people and be like... So one thing for kids ministry, for example, that's probably where I'll go because that's where my head tends to, to go, um, is wanting to make that space a real intergenerational space. Mm. So seeing connection between the young and the old. And I think an amazing way that you can often see that ministry happening naturally is around that morning tea table um, when you'll see um, the older folk kind of interacting with some of the younger kids. And it's it's a beautiful mm-hmm. moment, right? Mm-hmm. When you see it from afar, what, it's amazing. What, racing for the chip bowl? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Bit of argy-bargy, <laughs> maybe not quite. <laughs> Lisa for me. <laughs> the kids have beat them every time. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, and when, when it works, it works so well, yeah. you know. And I think we can see that that is just an amazing part of um, being a, a church um, and and so many people want to do that. But I think sometimes people also struggle to know how to do that. Yeah. Often people will say, oh, I don't want to interact with that person. I'm too old to for them to care about me or I'm really young. So what would I have anything to do with, you know, a, a parent who works full time through the week? We have nothing in common. And I think that you know, this kind of like um, just sticking with your little group can actually be really damaging to that that side of church community too. So, so common, common community just occurred mm. to me. Community, common unity. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as a church, we we ha- we have that, and it's not actually based on our age or our mm. stage in life. Mm-hmm. It's not based on kind of what kind of you know you know round ball sport we prefer. Like it, it's our our community is actually in Christ, right? Yeah, and I think, uh, thanks be to God, you know, I haven't felt lonely growing up and I think that's, you know, also credit to this church and how uh, they've had things like kids club and youth group that I've been able to be involved in, uh, but also just in the church community how, you know, when you are missing people are able to check up and ask uh, where you've been, how you going. And I remember uh, that it's not just, you know, your close friends that check up on you, but it's also the the people, you know, maybe older than you, maybe younger than you. Uh, I remember that when I used to come to church in the mornings with mum and dad to be in practice, uh, Brian Lynch would always sit at the back and ask me uh, how I'm going and I just remembered, you know, that feeling of comfort and cared for by um, all the generations and how, you know, it doesn't matter the age, but we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, that was really... Uh, something that I appreciated growing up, and still I remember appreciate. the same. I remember like growing. Up, I mean, I had, I had aunties and uncles everywhere. Everyone was auntie this and uncle this, and that was just I just took that all for granted in hindsight. You know, it was just. But that was mm. uh, looking back now. That's a great way to grow up. Yeah, you know, with all these people around, who are different ages who can who contribute in ways that you actually don't appreciate at the time, but down mm. the track you recognise it. But this this idea of our unity, right? It, the, the scripture reminds us that it, this isn't just something that we manufacture. We're not just a club of people who are just trying to find a way to get through life together mm, and mm. finding that that kind of common idea brings us together. It's it's more specific. It's 
the idea that in Christ Jesus we are brought together. Yeah. So in, in Ephesians chapter 2, for example, we were reminded of how like the greatest kind of barrier for God's people at the time, the Jews, was overcome by the blood of Christ mm. at the cross, the, the bringing together of Jews and all non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles coming together to be one. Mm. Um, just reading from Ephesians 2, 13, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near, mm. for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Isn't that just amazing? So Do you see the yeah. Trinitarian Incredible. verse there? Through him, through Christ, we have access to the Father by one spirit. See, it's the thing, when it comes to God is, is has built a community for himself through Christ, mm. and in so doing, he's also not only given us a community together, but he's brought us into communion with him. Mm. which is truly amazing. So we not only have the horizontal kind of aspect of our community together, but it's founded on the truth that in Christ we have a new communion again with our Heavenly Father. Isn't that mm. amazing? So it's like this kind of like eternal dimension to our time, a time-oriented community. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's in Ephesians. So it's it's a great thing for us to aspire to. How do, how do we actually do it? I mean, you talked about being Gosh. intentional before, Megan. What does it look like? Gee, I wish I had all the answers. <laughs> just give us, just give us, we know you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think being intentional looks like not going to those same people every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I think that... That is what we're called to do. Uh, I think that's a, a really great way for us to be, um, yeah, to, to be loving our, our Christian brothers and sisters. So um, being intentional might look like um, knowing that you spoke to someone last week and they had a really busy week. So you remember, I'm going to talk to them again. Or maybe you haven't seen them around at church for a little while. Mm. You send them a message, be intentional. You um know that they don't really have anyone to read the Bible with. So you either do that yourself or you arrange for someone else to meet up with them. Like it's going that extra mile to show them that I am actually invested in you. I do care for you and I want to see you grow in your relationship with Christ and and within that grow in your relationship with other Christians as well. Oh, that's, um, that's great. Mitch? Yeah, I think you've nailed it on the head there, Megan. Just we knew she would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just got the brains for it. So I think it's just like seeing those people who uh, may not feel heaps welcomed or heaps comfortable yet at church. And I think I remember I did a youth talk uh, a couple of months ago, and I said that if you feel comfortable and welcomed here at church, then you're in the right to comfort and welcome others. Mm. Um, and so I think you know that's key when you see someone new or you see someone who's been coming here for a while and still hasn't really fit in yet, just to take that 10 minutes out of your time when you might be having morning tea with your mates just to go up to them and ask them how they're doing and really put in that time to have the chat with them because, um, you know, Christ came to seek and save the lost mm. and so uh, we should give up our time to uh, comfort those as we're all 
you know, brothers and sisters. I like that idea. If you're feeling comfortable, that's your that's like God tapping on the shoulder and say, It's up to you to go and make someone else feel comfortable. Mm. That's a really it's that's an interesting thing to think through. Um yeah, it's really it's a nice kind of prompt. I'm feeling comfortable, I'm feeling all right. Uh, God's telling me I need to go and look after so and so. And also, when you think like considering the stats that so many people are lonely, like that's a you got a really good incentive to go and do it mm. for sure. Um, yeah, so there's that kind of intentionality that goes. And I, I don't know if you guys ever heard people talk much about the ministry of turning up. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, have you yeah, heard about yeah. that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, just like having that consistency. Um, and, and we kind of talk about it in kids' ministry again. Yeah. Um, this weekend just been I popped into a soccer game of a of one of our our kids in Sunday school been um telling me week in and week out that he was I went and played soccer this weekend mm. I scored a goal this weekend and um you know turning up is is not just in those moments where they expect you and so it can be physically turning up to a soccer game a concert whatever it be but it can be that um um, turning up emotionally, you know, like in investing in them and, and checking in on them, remembering something that they've said, um, being consistent in the way that if you're a kid's leader, be intentional and be consistent in the way that you're turning up to serve. You're, you're prepared, you're here, you're, um, you might have things going on, but you're, you're there to be, um, in the moment with them. You're not serving maybe on a week, mm. but you're still giving them a smile. You're still saying hello. You're still checking in with them. Um, it's about, it's, it's, it's much more holistic, I guess, the, the ministry of turning up. It's not just, I've ticked my box. I'm out of here now, but it's actually got a much more, um, a grand view of it. Yeah, that's so true, Gamage. Yeah, I remember I have a similar story, but on the other end. So I remember I would always ask my year six teacher to come to my soccer games. <laughs> and that one time he did, I remember when I saw him, I just wanted to play so much better uh, and have the best game. And yeah. it's just like that. Once you see them and see that they've put in the effort to show up, you know, you want to, like, you really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and so you really want to. I love uh, that you remember that. Yeah, you remember yeah. that moment. Yeah. That's really, that's really ago, powerful. But, yeah. yeah, no, it was a good yeah. memory. There's, um, there's just, I, I was just thinking about this too, how, like, there is, there is, I get, I understand what you're saying, that there's a sense in which the real intentionality, the deep kind of thoughtfulness that's required. But, you know, I, I reckon that there is still a place just to, just to turn up like mm. on a church on Sunday, like, I'm, like if, I, if I'm waiting for, you know, to hit every single kind of, you know, mental note of readiness yeah. and preparedness, but I've, I've, I'm encouraged when I just see my friends, mm. my brothers and sisters arrive with all of their baggage and all of the challenges mm-hmm. that they face. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, it's not always easy to get yeah. to church. There's and a, that's that authenticity that we were talking yeah. about, you know, like turning up, you're just here as you are because that's all you could drag out of bed this morning, but you've made it. Mm. And um, I, I'm maybe going a little bit off track. It, it links in, it links in. It. But um, I was just thinking before about how that um, the authenticity and that vulnerability is really linking in with um, what some of our um, church members were saying about love and this kind of idea that this non-judgmental love kept coming up. And it's interesting that we are so quick to want to um, not be vulnerable. We don't want to share those other parts of ourselves with others. We don't want to turn up with that baggage. But we are also the first people to say like, oh, our love is about being non-judgmental, about accepting people as they are, and um, but we don't actually want to show up in that way. I think there's a real tension there. Mm, yeah. There's, um, 
but but that, that, that but when we get through that, there's an honesty. That's right. Yeah, that, that actually gives permission that. to everyone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but, but also like going back to what the, the we sometimes think of community, and we've talked about the idea of serving, intentionally talking and meeting, and it's awesome when it happens. But at the end of the day, the church is the gathered people of God. So where yes. God's people gather. Um, under his word we are bearing witness to what christ has done for us rather than Mm. doing things for him Mm. so that at at its core the the most simplest expression of the church um, is also the most profound it's it's it may not be about how much you're bringing to the table on any given sunday but when you gather you are at that moment you're the light on the hill right you are Mm. the salt of the earth this is the gathering place for god's people on a sunday morning and you might have, you know, loads of energy, you might have none, mm. but together you're part of a wider body that's demonstrating your togetherness in your presence with each other. And that's where God says he is with you. He's with us. So there's there's great incentive, I think, on being there for each other by simply being present as well. Yeah. 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 The ministry of being present. That's mm. one that I think I think I think all of us can have the that's the spiritual gift of just uh, of, of being there. Mm. Like on, on my bad days, you mm-hmm. know. I, I Yes, I can see you going. Yes, you have a lot of bad days, Rob. Thank you. Got that already. <laughs> but on my bad days, like We're I'm honest. happy. I'm happy just to be there, right? And that's a. There's got. There's got to be a way of being able to acknowledge that. Actually, for for many, um, I think that's that's a real thing and a real value. Um, because again, so so much time we can think, uh, church is what am I going to bring? What am I going to offer? How am I going to? But actually, first of all, we come to church to receive. We come to receive from mm-hmm. the Lord the forgiveness that we need. We come to be reminded of the grace that He pours out on us day after day, and we do so in the context of this group of people for whom Christ has brought us together uh, and, and given us peace. So I think that that togetherness in itself is 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 truly profound and amazing just to see on its own. Mm, yeah, the ministry of just showing up. It's so true because showing up and showing that you're committed to mm. this community and people notice uh, when you actually don't come uh, and that's when, you know, you really ask, you know, what's going on. Mm. And I think it's just amazing that, you know, if we had a church service where everyone showed up at the same week, like how amazing would that be? Oh, have the yeah. Place filled. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just like it, a picture it, of we, heaven. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I've always thought, wouldn't that be amazing to just have the one day where every single person yeah. who's who's on our roll just is there? Yeah. That would be. Uh, we should just make that happen. Like, yeah, write like, a date. Like, like everyone at church Sunday or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the idea. Is like, the idea is we'd hope that that would be every Sunday. <laughs> the ultimate community. It's the, commu- the, the, the the day for community or, mm-hmm. or something. Um, it doesn't always turn out that way for obvious reasons, but um, <laughs> um, well, let's push on. This has been really helpful. Uh, let's we we've been talking about um, I reckon a lot of the topics we've actually covered, but we'll we'll go through it a bit deeper. So we, one of the words we use to describe the church community that we want to be is loving, and and uh, the, one, a little bit of the backstory for that is um, the, the a great strength of All Saints has been. Uh, the depth of the relational connectedness that people have felt over the years. And I've only been here a couple of years. Uh, Mitch, you've been here by far the longest of all of us. But there's a sense in which when I came, when I arrived here, all saying just a couple of years ago, there was um, a noticeable um, uh, generation of of parents and children that have come through this church had a real sense of closeness to each other, love for each other. And um, you combine that with this strong effort to pastorally care for each other, which was so present when I arrived and still continues today. And I just couldn't think of a better word to, to express it than loving. And I thought that no matter what we do, we needed to find a way to 
um, highlight that this was something that we wanted to be because, I mean, again, we're going back to what kind of adjectives? Adjectives? Is it an adjective? adjective. Love's an adjective. Is that right? No. Yeah. A verb. Adverb. Love is a verb. But, uh, yeah, loving. What's that? Loving, adverb? that's a doing word. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going so well. We're going so well. So long. Please since don't school. switch off yet, guys. We'll figure this out. Um, but, but the idea was like a church community is by definition loving, isn't it? Mm. Like, I mean, that's what you say. So, but we wanted to add it so that we emphasized it. So, so we wanted to be a loving church. I felt like All Saints has been this, and this was something that together we, we said, this is something that we want to continue to have right at the very front of our minds of what we're trying to mm. aim at. So, um, so loving, well, uh, how, wh- what do you guys think we, we could be? What would it be expressed to be a loving church? Yeah, well, you touched on how, you know, those families who have been in this church for a while, how you can really sense that closeness together. And I feel like, you know, you've got your friends, but then this is a family mm. as we all share the same spirit. Um, and we're all, you know, we've been through the highs and the lows together. And that's what's so amazing uh, about uh, the people of this church is we're just there for each other. No matter what uh, time in life it is, uh, we're just there for each other. And I think uh, Mark ten forty five uh, comes to mind. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And I think when you talk about loving, doing that in action uh, is shown by serving and giving your time it's and sacrificialness to that mm. isn't there and and we get our cue from christ who served us mm. Mm. that's good i think it's interesting because there's a lot of self-love in the world at the moment there's this real push of well if um you're not going to love yourself who is so mm. you better bombard yourself with love and that i think can actually be a, a bit of a selfish approach like obviously we want to love ourselves but i think where it goes a step too far in kind of just like um, general pop culture and things like that. Um, there's this, this real push for um, look after yourself first. Don't worry about other people. Make sure that, you know, you're kind of scratching your back before, you know, you even <laughs> think about, you know, concerning yourself with somebody else. But I think what's amazing about a church is that we're really wanting to, to flip that on the head because, you know, um, God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. Um, and great. so, it really That's is great. countercultural the way that we want to show love. It's a selfless kind of love, which, like you said, Mitch, is because of the way that we see that Jesus has has loved other people, and that's how we then step out in that same kind of selfless love as well. I'm, I'm reminded of um, the way that Jesus summed up the commandments when he said, "You know, we are to love God and we are to love our neighbor." Right. Mm-hmm. So, with our whole heart, soul, mind, saying, "Love God, love neighbor," vertical com- part of the community, the horizontal part of the community is the neighbor, and brought together. Like, what does that? What does it look like for us to exist in this network of relational that God brings us together? And it looks like love, yeah. um, which is which is a uh, amazing because I think all of us understand that love is important and crucial and critical, and yet it's really hard to put into practice. Mm, yeah, I think love is one of those words that if you were asked to describe the Bible in one word, it would come to mind. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, that's what God is. God is God love. God is love, yeah, yeah. So that's what we should seek to be. Yeah. It's, I mean, what does the world think love is though? Mm, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, you see on social media, like what Megan was saying before, just that self-love. Yeah. You know, putting yourself first. Um, and almost doing that and putting yourself first and wanting others to see how good you are 
Um, and you can do that by loving others, but that almost becomes fake yeah. in the world as because if you're doing that only for your self build up, um, then people realize that. It's a very interesting idea. The idea of love in the, in the culture around us is around self love actually mm. first and foremost. And the, I mean, the, the kind of catchphrase is love is love is the, the idea behind that is you need to accept me for whatever definition I give to myself. Mm. Would that be fair? Something along those lines. So, which is so the the way you love me is to allow me to love myself in the mm. way that I see fit. The way to the way you love me is to allow me to define myself the way I see fit. So it's a it's an allowance of another person's love for self. Mm. Well, I've just, I, I think that's right. I, I may have gone off track a little bit there. Um, but in a way, I had this idea before that uh, it, it Jesus does, tells us to, to, to love God and to love our neighbor. Um, but I wonder if, what, if self-love, unregulated, unmitigated self-love is almost the opposite of what true love ought to be. The idea of love turning in on itself um, it's supposed to be expressed outward, not mm. inward. Is that possible? I think so. I, I mean, I haven't obviously thought deeply about it, um, only being brought up in this moment. But I, I think at this point in time, I would agree. I think that if um, God's, you know, definition and, and, and his way that he shows love is to, to pour it so graciously out on those who do not deserve it, mm-hmm. us, then how can... Uh, a self-love that we kind of see um, today in our culture be correct. I just don't, I don't know how that lines up. Yeah. I, I think maybe slightly different is the, like the, the way in which if we love, if, if self-love is done at the expense or the cost of mm. relations or people around you. So if you love yourself at the cost of others, cost of the Lord and the cost of your neighbor, then ultimately that's not the kind of love that's going to prove satisfying in the long run. And I think that that is actually an idolatrous form of love. Mm. But if your self-love or your desire to love yourself is expressed by the love that you have for others and by the love you have for God, then that might actually be what Jesus means when he says we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Mm. Yeah, Potentially that's in there too. Um, so... Uh, a loving church community would look look amazing. What what are some things practically you think that we could do to help our church become a, a kind of a loving church community? What what would you expect to see yourselves? Yeah, it was one of those questions that we asked in the Vox Pop, mm. um, and I think it's just that uh, showing that real care for mm-hmm. for each other and how it's not fake, like how sometimes people uh, will love each other uh, because they want to look good. Um, but to see that in this church, it's not about that. It's actually about um, showing love to others because Christ showed his love to us. Uh, and that because we have this love and this hope in Jesus, uh, that we're able to show that to others. So I think we can do that, uh, yeah, by what we were saying before and caring for those uh, and loving those who aren't always easy mm-hmm. uh, instead of just loving the people that we know are easy to talk to and easier to love. Mm. Um but yeah, I think it's also being generous 
Um, uh, generous of, a, of the way in which you express yourself and the way you give of yourself and give your possessions potentially as well for sure yeah yeah like just also just your energy mm. and time mm. i find because you know as humans we have a limited amount of energy and time but if we're pouring that out into those in our church community then um people really appreciate that i think yeah, and really notice good. that there's, uh, I'm reminded of the early church, actually. So if you go back to the book of Acts, one of the most radical things that you see in the book of Acts is this idea of selflessness. That's mm. the way in which those who have more look at those who have less and say, well, they need my help and support. Like uh, Acts, Acts 4 um, is truly like it's, it's pretty incredible. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own. Can you believe that today? Imagine that today. Mm. But they shared everything they had. Like, uh, you know, that's, um, I'm looking for the guy with the Ferrari. I don't know about you guys, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and then it says, but then, you know, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Um, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. You think, oh, that's amazing. God's provided. How did he provide? How did he provide? Well, it tells us it, it wasn't like the kind of money tree. It was the mm. generosity of mm-hmm. Christians seeing their brothers and sisters in mm. need. And it goes on to say, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone in need. That's just remarkable. Mm. In fact, I've got a little story to it. Like, I think um, maybe it was a year or two ago, there was um, someone from our church actually who was really keen, so um, delighted to see what we we're doing with youth ministry and want to actively promote, could see the kind of change that's being made here. And when they, um, uh, I, I'm trying to, uh, I try not to give too many details, but when there was a something that they had that was sold, they ensured that a, a substantial portion of it was put toward youth mm-hmm. ministry here at this church, just to, saying, whatever we do, we just make sure that this ministry to young people continues. And I just mm-hmm. thought that was brilliant. I just thought, as soon as I did that, I just thought, I'm just seeing acts four like at work here and i just thought that was a beautiful thing now that might be happening all over the place and i'm not always kind of i don't always have the eyes to see it but in this particular moment i thought that was really cool what about you guys what have you seen Um, i wonder if you've ever been touched like particularly by a a gracious act or a kind act that someone's done for you in your kind of life in church i feel like it's often the things that don't seem big. Mm. <laughs> so for me, um, I just moved churches at the beginning of this year, started a new job. That's kind of like starting two new jobs and studying. Um, and you had to work with me. And I have to work with Robin. <laughs> um, that's one of the work perks, obviously. <laughs> um, and just while I was... Um, in preschool one day chatting with one of the educators and they're just asking me how I'm going. And in a, a moment of honesty, I was like, oh, kind of finding things a bit tricky, just feeling a bit overwhelmed with life and, you know, just feeling like the the first thing that um, goes out the window is feeling like I have time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of get home and you've got study to do or there's other stuff happening. Um, and you know, she's thinking, oh, I wish I could take something off your plate, but you know, you can't really take someone's job off their plate. So she just comes back to me a few minutes later and says, can I cook you dinner? 
And I, I could have cried in that moment. Aww. It was just, it was so sweet. And, you know, for her, something that was quite easy to do. But for me, that was just such a beautiful gesture. And so the next day brings in this huge tray of lasagna. Michael and I are fed for a week. It's amazing. And like just that real um, act of like such practical love. It didn't have to be a big, you know, stressful, strenuous thing for, for people to do it. But sometimes it's the little things that just, um, yeah, going that extra mile just really can, can impact someone's day and, um, yeah, just show a real care and generosity. Cook Megan dinner. <laughs> I like down, lasagna. lasagna. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, lasagna, no, that's, that's sweet. I actually think that's really helpful because it doesn't always need to be the massive things. It's mm. sometimes it's, it's uh, lasagnas and the and the and the, the thought that well, really is the thought that counts, right? What about you, Mitch? Yeah, well, I think uh, talking about that ministry of just showing up mm. um, early in the year when Jackson and I were preparing to go to Fiji, mm. and you were in the trivia night. You know, we were like, we weren't sure how many people would show up. Mm. We set up like eight tables, being a bit optimistic, and by the end of the night, there was ten tables set up with people sitting all around them and just seeing the love that the church has for its young people and how it wants to help them out and serve them in the ways that they can through prayer financially and just showing up like that was really appreciated by me and Jackson. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and, and you see that when you're in, when you're in the life of church, you actually see this stuff all the time. Mm. It's like, I feel like for me, I have such a privileged position just because I get to see so much of what other people just get glimpses of here. And now I kind of, I see the kind of love that, that people have for each other and putting it into, into practice. I remember even just today, right? I remember someone coming up to me today just after one of the services and saying, so would you mind if I just pray for you? Yeah. I was just so touched by it because usually it's the opposite, right? Like yeah. oh, I, got, you know, I, know, I love to pray for people, but for someone to say, can I just pray for you? This mm. is a church here that really does that. And that is an act of love. Um, it's a real act of love because it's so thoughtful knowing that no matter what happens, it is this person's relationship with the Lord that's so that's even more important. Mm. And bringing these things to the Lord in prayer is is, is it, and the thoughtfulness that went behind that is something that I was, I was quite touched by. But it, like just going back, um, I remember even when I was like when I was younger, uh, like you know we all we all go through ups and downs in life, of course, no doubt about. It. But, but to have Christians around me who who, who like we had, I was in part of a Bible study group and the Bible study leaders were just always there mm-hmm. every week. It didn't matter if I was having a good week or a bad week. I have no idea what happened in their week. Like yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you if they had a good week or a bad yeah. week. I, but but they were always there. There's there's pro there's often chips and coke, hot chips. You know, like the actual mm, potato chips. That's good. Like that's chicken salt. That'll chicken bring you salt. back. Yeah. Not the not the bag chips. I yeah. mean, like the yeah, good I stuff. Can, yeah, so we'd wander around to the local shop, we'd buy the chips, we'd take it back and we'd do the Bible stuff together. And um, But like it was the consistency of mm. that, that that really made a difference. And it, you know what, that felt like a real community. Yeah. Mm. So there's a sense in which it all kind of goes together. And maybe the, 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 maybe when church isn't working well, it's, it's, it, it might be because there's a, there's a lack of love toward each other. Um, and that that's the thing that might that might bring that separation, that feeling of lostness that can happen. Um, all right, this is going so. We're, we're, we're uh, thank you to those of you still listening. By the way, um, Mitch is probably maybe a, thanks, maybe Leanne. Mom. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Mitch's mum's still listening. I know you'd still be here. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to talk. We'll talk finally just about the idea of authenticity. Um, 
and which which we came up in people's responses are kind of what I was listening to was there's a genuineness and a sincerity that seems to be an important part of kind of churches and that was something that we thought um, would be important. I wonder what, what kind of comes to your mind when we start thinking about this idea of authenticity. Yeah, I mean, it's a interesting word. One I haven't thought about too much, um, but authentic, genuine. Um, it's just one of those words where I think it's a really good describing word for a church because you start to realize, um, yeah, as I was saying before, that we're not those perfect Christians. Um, and if we try, you know, show those in our church that we are, we'll fail mm. because we're not like Jesus. Uh, and so being authentic and bringing people our struggles and being vulnerable with people, uh, that's what shows uh, how real God's love is for us and other people's love and the relationships around us uh, that God's formed. Uh, and so I think, yeah, authentic is being vulnerable and coming together as a family, uh, with all your joys and all your struggles. I think um, what it doesn't look like mm. is it, it doesn't look like, hopefully, being hypocritical in our faith. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, the Bible's really clear and, and I've just got a passage up at the moment in James 1 that says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Oh, it's a good verse. Yeah. It's and a it, good verse, Absolutely. Megan. And I think... And I think that um, people outside of the church can often, that can be a stumbling block for a lot of non-Christians, the idea that um, that we as Christians, you know, proclaim to, you know, be good people. I'm doing that in quotation marks. Oh, quotes, yep. Yep. Um, but, you know, then see the reality of us being sinful humans and that can be a real, um, yeah, yeah, that, that can really stumble people. Um, but I think... You know, when we are, are Christians, like, and when we are striving to be an authentic church, we don't want to be fake. We don't want to people be people that are just kind of coming along to church, hearing um, the word, you know, being involved in Christian community for the hour and a half that we're at church and then going off and living our lives however we want to, but also striving to um, really apply God's word to our lives as well. There's something in that, like, I, you're right, there's a, the idea of the, almost the opposite of authenticity is kind of like hypocrisy, mm. maybe to some extent, right? And, and Jesus' kind of most fierce words were directed mm. towards those who were religious but were hypocritical, mm. um, that they didn't actually like, practice what they preached. They, mm. they put burdens on other people and they refused to kind of do the smallest thing on their own. Um, and the last thing that we would want to be as a church is to be hypocritical. And yet so often I, so often people still think that Christians are hypocrites. And is it because they've misunderstood Christianity to some extent? It's a hard one because, of course, we see that there are people out there who claim to be Christians and are doing things that are really not helpful. Mm. And so I think that that's often really pushed as well. People see that and it gets amplified that, oh, if, if one Christian does that, that's what we're going to put with the banner of Christians. That's what all Christians are like. So I, I do think there is a, a bit of that going on. But I just think that there's um, general misunderstanding. I think people, um, they don't quite get how we could kind of claim to to have this um, 
goodness going on. You know, we talk about this love all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this way of yeah. life. But then also see the ways that we fall short. Well, and I it's think, really hard. Absolutely. And we yeah. get that. Like that's the yeah. struggle that we're all going through, yeah. right? Um, and it, yeah, I think people just outside of the church tend to have a, a, a misunderstanding, I would say, because we get that we're not going to live perfect lives. Of course, we're striving to be following God's word, to be, um, um, you know, praying that God would be um, helping us to tackle these habitual sins that we keep falling into. But we are also aware that this side of heaven, we aren't going to reach perfection. Mm. Um, but I think that that can be really hard for people outside of the church to, to comprehend. Mm. Um, Mitch, do you want to add something to that? Yeah, I mean, it's very true that uh, this side of heaven, we're not going to be perfect. But I think we want to aim to be that authentic Christian uh, that is genuine and seeks to do right. And something for me in aiming to do that is identifying the difference between regret and repent. Because mm. when we sin, uh, we can regret uh, what we've done, but we know that we'll just do it again. Uh, but actually seeking to repent uh, can be that step forward to being that authentic Christian. Mm. I think I think you're onto something there. The idea of repentance as being fundamental to the authentic Christian life mm. because it immediately says, uh, I actually do the wrong things and I do them regularly enough to require me to repent and to keep repenting. Isn't that, yeah. Wouldn't that be fair to say? Yeah, and it's very hard to repent yeah. as well yeah. because, you know, the world advertises these pleasures yeah. um, and the fact that, you know, you're going to say, I'm not going to do that because I live for the true king. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think um, that when we, that, that an authentic church community is one which is always repenting always repenting, always conscious of their falling short and going, going that language of falling short. We all continue to fall short. We fall short on our own. Yeah. Um, and our claim to be uh, in communion with the Lord is not based on our performance, but rather it's based on our forgiveness, the mm. fact that Christ has forgiven us by His grace. And that means that there's always a sense in which we are bringing to the Lord the things where we've fallen short. Where have I fallen short this week? Mm. Where I've fallen short today. Mm. Um, I, for me, uh, the one of the most profound and important moments of our time together is the moment where we bring our sin before the Lord in prayer and yeah. confession, mm. where we acknowledge together as a community, as though a community, mm. that together actually we've, we've fallen short today. We've fallen short. So you've fallen short in some ways. I've fallen short in many more ways. And yeah. Megan maybe fallen short a little bit, you know, somewhere along the way, right? <laughs> but like, but all of us have fallen short and we mm. need to bring these things before the Lord. Mm. Uh, an authentic church community cannot exist without repentance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it can't exist without sure. repentance. Um, and we see this in the early church as well, this, this idea of I mean, repent and believe, right? Repent and believe the good news. The... I was just thinking about authenticity a little bit more as well. Like we, we of course, we want to have repentance in, in in the life of the church together. But there's also a sense in which um, that as Christians seeking to live out our faith together, we want to get rid of those masks, don't we? Mm. We want to get rid of those masks. It, it, this this idea of pretending to be better than we are. Do you know what I mean? You come mm. across that. Oh, absolutely. Not from, not from me, right? No, no, from myself, like fully. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Phew>. um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think like that—that that is one of the hardest things yeah. as a Christian. Like, yeah. um, 
and I, I think it, you know, in invulnerable moments, it's hard as a, a ministry worker mm. knowing that I am so sinful mm. and leading children, mm. leading volunteers, and thinking, who am I to be able to say yeah. to these people, yeah. get up the front and and mm. preach and and yeah. or not preach, but you know, like do kids talks or mm. whatever. Like, um, it's 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 really tricky, and we we do really put on this mask of mm. um, this is who I'm going to be right now, but mm. that's not the person I am at home or you know, who I am not even at home. I'm maybe even masking that. Well, that's from, the battle, isn't it? Yeah. That's the battle to mm-hmm. keep on uh, helping helping um, yourself actually to some extent learn mm. how to be honest um, about yeah. who you are with the people around you. And I think if you have a culture that actually acknowledges that everyone falls short, that that's we all right. need to receive grace from the Lord, we need to offer grace to each other, mm. um, that kind of culture actually makes it possible for us to be honest and open. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've really appreciated um, coming to a a church that um, has the the confessions from the prayer book each week. And, um, you know, it's something that I was aware of and had, um, you know, read through some of them before or used some of them before in in some services, but not in the the Mm. kind of regular way that we do. And I've I've just found them so helpful for being able to just be really honest with myself in that moment. Like, we like this is something that we do constantly because we constantly need to come before God and be real about where we're at, be honest, um, not just with God, but with ourselves a lot mm. of the time. God knows what's going on. <laughs> um, I mean, at its best, right? Mm. At its best, you'd, you'd hope that at church, you know, the morning tea conversations become different, don't they? That's at its, right. At its best, we like, you know, I was confessing the sin before the Lord today. Mm. I actually realized I actually needed to say sorry to you. Mm. I'm sorry for the way I acted this week. I shouldn't have said that. I mean, yeah. at its best, I think. Then I think we've got some way to get to that point still. That, yeah, absolutely. But I think that's an, that's an aspiration to get mm. to where we have a where we're, we're so uh, 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 appreciative of what God has done for us that we feel f- totally free to be able to go up to someone and say, "I actually wronged you this week, and I'm sorry about that, brother. I'm sorry about that, sister." Mm. Um, but there's something that I think we all got to kind of continue to work toward. Yeah, and I think that um, at Year 13, what I've really learnt is how to be vulnerable and how to be honest. Oh, that's a um, good point. Vulnerability is kind of an essential ingredient here, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. everyone comes into Year 13, you know, acting like, you know, you're a good Christian kid. But by the end of the year, you actually find out that everyone's fallen short. Yeah. But the love doesn't change from the start to the finish. In fact, it almost increases um, because, you know, we love they our brothers and sisters yeah. no matter what uh, struggles we've gone through in the past. Yeah. Um, we're still uh, part of God's family. Yeah. There's um, the, almost that, that, that love for each other is required the better we know each other as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, on the other hand, I think that, you know, if you ever have that conversation with someone and you finally feel like you truly get to know them yeah. and then all of a sudden you feel closer to them yeah. because they've let their guard down for a minute. Exactly. You're like, oh, that's great. I've been trying so hard to get to know you and you finally like, for whatever reason, we have these kind of protective measures that stop yeah. that kind of happening. A, a church, I think authenticity is not something that we can kind of manufacture and it can be something that we can do overnight, but it's something that's built in trust and it takes time for us to teach one another that actually we can be more honest with each other and we can be more open. Yeah. But when it happens, you feel closer mm. and you you can you feel like um, more at home, more at peace, which I think is where God wants us to be. Yeah, and it's so easy to just act like that perfect Christian Act, around. Acting people. is the word, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, we kind of kind of like that's the word that we kind of want to 
so we've got an actress in the room, but that's the kind of word that we kind of want to remove <laughs> yeah. from our from our vocab in church, right? Yeah. Get rid of the act. Get rid of the act. Um, if we can get rid of the act, then all of a sudden we're much more an authentic plane. Mm. I was thinking about this um, from Acts, the early church. With that, remember that beautiful picture of the believers sharing their possessions with each other? Is is it's like so profound? It's like it's like wow, this, this amazing kind of moment in the church. Love the church. And then right afterwards, remember the story? It's Ananias and Sapphira. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, they're like, they're like, they're, they're trying to get, they're part of the Christian community. And then something like terrible happens because um, they sell, they sell kind of a piece of property or something like that. But um, they keep pack part of the money for themselves, which they're perfectly entitled to do. But they were, they kind of presented as if they were giving the whole. Mm. So it's like, Oh, they lost that kind of authentic touch in order to try to fit in with the rest of the group. And then straight away what happens is they they die. They get struck down by the judgment of the Lord. Like for me, at that moment, that critical moment of life of the church, authenticity was so important mm. that in order to impress upon the church how important it was, this massive judgment took place. I mean, it's no wonder at the end of that episode that it says, great fear seized the whole church yeah. and all who heard about these events. Uh, I mean, I think we can be thankful to the Lord that he doesn't actually enact this judgment on our church oh, on a Sunday. I, I, I do funerals, right? Yeah. I, I don't want to do that kind of funeral on Mondays. No. You know? no. um, but so God is being very generous and gracious to us, mm. but the, the desire for an authentically lived out church that's honest with each other and honest before the Lord is, to me, um, should be a high priority for us as, as God's people. Mm-hmm. That's what we've got to aim for. I reckon overall, um, this is this is a pretty good kind of opening statement. Do you reckon? Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. We need to get you a mic, Megan. We, <laughs> by the way, you've probably already worked this out, um, our three listeners remaining, that, that we actually <laughs> only have two mics in the room and yeah. <laughs> and Mitch and Megan have been swapping mics. But um, maybe next time if we, uh, if we get four listeners, maybe... Yeah, the budget. Let us know if you're listening. <laughs> Let us know if you're listening. We might just shell out for for an extra microphone or something so we can keep doing this. But um, but yeah, not bad. So our desire is to be an authentic and loving church community. All right. Well, um, why don't we uh, finish up with some closing thoughts? Any kind of last thoughts before we wrap up for the night? Oh, pressure. Um, I think it's just. What do I think? Um, I think it is just just a, a great desire. And it, I think desire is a great word for it. Mm. It's something we want to strive towards, knowing that we're not always going to be perfect at this. And so there's got to be some real grace in the ways that we don't um, that we don't reach these That's these goals so that we're reaching going it's towards. Saying, hey, hang on, hang on. It's like, it's like this isn't who we are. Mm. This is who we want to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's mm. where we're going. That's right. That's the direction. Yeah. That's the road we're on. That's it's the road it's, we're on. Yeah. Potholes and the all. The potholes and all. Potholes and all. Yeah. <laughs> that's my little nugget of gold for you. Yeah, potholes and all. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think it's great to have an aim uh, like this vision statement and to have in that aim for a church to be loving and authentic. They're such two key words. Um, just to be real with each other uh, and to really feel part of that family that we truly are with each other and to take down that shield of perfectness and to just be real and genuine with one another uh, and to love one another through that. Mm. And in doing so, we give glory to the Lord. 
Amen. Because we recognize our fallen shortness. We recognize the grace that he's given to us. And then as people who have been graced by God, mm. we're free to exercise grace with each other. I'm not yeah. going to be surprised when you fall short, Mitch. I'm not going to be surprised when you fall short, Mink. And you, um, you won't be surprised. And you already know mm. that I'm going to fall short too. Mm. There's a recognition that actually all of us fall short together. And that's why we're thankful for the Lord Jesus who... Yeah. He, he's our peace. He brings us together. He offers us forgiveness, yeah. which is purchased for us at the cross. It's an incredible story, and it gives us so much um, to be thankful for, I think. For sure. Well, um, we've gone on for a good while now. How, how long do we say this is going to be? Like 30 minutes or something? Half <laughs> <laughs> uh, minutes. We've gone a little minutes. bit over. Um, thank you to everyone for <laughs> continuing to listen in. Um, so thanks, Kathy. Anyone you want to thank? Michael's probably still listening. Yeah, maybe. He probably has the, the, the soccer on in the background and he's kind of like got that half half yeah. listening going on. But. I reckon there might still be a couple of <laughs> listeners out there who are kind of going for a long walk or on a drive, something like that. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mitch, maybe anyone going to be listening, you think, to you? you reckon? Oh, Tim and Leanne pulled out 20 minutes ago, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been fun. It's been really fun. I've, I've, I've certainly learned a lot um, and I just want to express my thanks as well to the 2030 project team that have mm. um, worked for hours and hours to be able to put these kinds of words together. Um, they are important words, they're profound words, and we're going to be continuing to look at them over the next couple episodes. And I don't know what you guys reckon, but I'm thinking that at the end of this, we can even have a behind-the-scenes episode where we talk to people from mm. the team to talk about the agony of commas yeah. and uh, adjectives and what's it, adverbs. All we the didn't work words that, that we, we didn't know how to describe. All the words that we should have used and didn't or could have used to <laughs> have. Um, so maybe we'll do that too. Mm. All right, well, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll put a wrap on this. And um, actually what we might do, Megan, if that's right with you, why don't we um, why don't we finish with a prayer? Would you lead us in prayer? Yeah, as we absolutely. That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can um, have this platform to chat, that we can think about these things of a church, as a church. And, um, yeah, God, we just pray that you would uh, give us wisdom as we... Um, yeah, try to um, best love each other as your people. Uh, Lord, we thank you um, for the ways that you have shown us how to love um, so perfectly um, through Jesus. Um, God, yeah, we just pray that you would um, help us to to be authentic with each other, to love each other practically, um, that we would um, be um, a community that glorifies you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone. And um, we'll see you all again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.